Let's pray. Dear Heavenly we come before you and we just ask that you would work in each heart and life in this service this morning. Lord, we're thankful that your blood is sufficient to pay for every sin that has ever been sinned. The problem is not on God's side, it's on our side. And Lord, we ask that no one here present this morning would reject the work that you have done to save us from our sins. And Lord, that we would surrender and we would willingly in worship give to you which is rightfully yours. That is everything, Lord. We ask that this week would be different. That it would be a week of greater service to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more. And we'll start just by reading that story. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. It says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise. He calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now, I love this story. Just a few things I want to point out from the story in the beginning. Uh, how many of you know what Bartimaeus means? That was his name, Bartimaeus. And we say, well, that's a strange sounding name, but that's not, I mean, we could call him Bart for short, and uh, uh, we would know that. But really, what you need to understand is that word in the Hebrew, bar, means son of. And so he was, this blind man was simply known as the son of Timaeus. You know what that means? He didn't even have a name. And if he did, nobody cared enough to even learn what it was. They just called him the blind man. Or... Oh, that's Bartimaeus. That's the son of Timaeus. Now, we'd have problems in our house if we called the boys just the son of Peter. uh, Because we do have one that's named Peter and five others. uh, and, And it would be really confusing. Which son do you want? But Bartimaeus was, he was an unknown entity. It's a sad thing in this life. When 
a person is neglected, uncared even by his own family. That society as whole, when Mark wrote down this story, he was trying to get the information that was there, and the only information he could get on the blind man was he was the son of Timaeus. And as Jesus was passing out of Jericho, you need to get the context here. They were on their way to Jerusalem. This was Passover. This would be the week that Jesus would offer himself as the sacrifice for all sins. And the people didn't know that. The disciples didn't understand that. Only Jesus really knew what was happening at this point. And as they are leaving Jericho, that was the last main stopping point before Jerusalem. I mean, it was a joyful, rejoicing time, one of the high spots of the year. Jewish people from all over the known world were gathered there and going to Jerusalem for this feast. And they got to watch Jesus heal blind men. Now, that would have been amazing. In our day and time, we have people running around claiming that they do miracles like Jesus did miracles. And uh, I use the word claiming because they're not. They're, this was documentable. Don't mean to be critical, but what goes on at a Benny Hinn crusade is not documentable. You can't walk into a hospital and just empty it. This, this man was blind, and all Jesus said was, Receive thy sight, and he did. It's interesting, he told the man to go thy way, but after he received his sight, what was his way? He followed Jesus, amen? Jesus' way became the blind man's way. And that one statement in there just grabbed my attention. Uh, I was looking through some of my notes, and it was actually 1998 when I wrote the first sermon. I think it was shortly thereafter my wife wrote the song uh, that she sang this morning. And here he is sitting on the side of the road. There's a reason why he's sitting on the side of the road. He's blind. He cannot see what's coming. And he would beg. Uh, they had no social programs and all of these things that we have today in our society. And the only way that he ate and the only way that he survived was people giving to him out of the goodness of their hearts. And of course, as the multitude was going to Jerusalem for the feast, this would mean greater opportunities for the beggar. But when he heard that it was Jesus, he began to cry out with a loud voice, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And of course, the people, listen, Jesus has healed many, many blind men. Bartimaeus, can't you at least allow us to enjoy the the celebration of the day and the joy of the occasion. We're going to Jerusalem for Passover. Take a break, man. Jesus will get you on the way out. I mean, that was the attitude of the crowd. 
I like the way our Bible puts it. It said he cried a great deal more. Uh, he, he was not going to miss the greatest opportunity of his life. So imagine this crowd. Times Square. Middle of the afternoon. I mean, everybody just pressing in. And, and you hear this one guy screaming like a maniac. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And you can hear the other voices saying, shut up, pipe down. Give us a break. Leave it alone. And Jesus, in the midst of this, says, bring him to me. And so all of a sudden, the people are turning around. Where in the world? It didn't take him long to figure out where he was because he was making quite a spectacle of himself. I mean, he was making lots of noise and he wasn't going to stop until they said, okay, 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 he's calling for you. You can shut up now. You don't have to keep screaming in my ear. Uh, he's coming and G- he brought him to Jesus. And this phrase, it says, and he, cast, verse 50, and he casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus. Now, garments, much more important, much more valuable, much more everything in this day and time that is described in the Bible than in our day and time. I I would dare say that there is not a person here present that does not have more than one change of clothes. I mean, that's kind of silly. This is America. Well, I'll tell you, when my dad was a little boy, you got one pair of overalls. And, And they had better last. If you were careless and caught them on a nail in the barn and tore the britches out, the back seat out, guess what happened? You went the next eight, nine months with a patch on the outside and big stitches where mom sewed them up. You know why? Because you just didn't have the money and the ability to have a closet full of clothes. That was for rich people. In this day and time, only the kings and the most wealthy people had changes of garment. And a, a middle class person, someone who was living what we would call comfortably, would only have one suit of clothes. And, and part of that was this outer garment. He was a blind man. Have you ever thought how Jesus and his disciples traveled? They didn't have knapsacks. Uh, They didn't have all these things. You know what their sleeping bag was? It was that outer garment. That long robe type thing. You wonder why they wore long robes in that day? Well, it's very simple. When you had to sleep out under the stars at night, uh, especially if you were in the arid land of Palestine, it gets cold at night. And that would be your only covering. That's why in the Old Testament law, Uh, You were able to borrow money based on your garment. You would go to someone that was a little more well-to-do and says, Listen, I I need to borrow enough money to 
to uh, um, pay for food for my family today. And, and I'm, I've got a job over here. I'm going to work. And at the end of the day, I'll come back and I'll pay you. And they would literally take their outer coat off and leave it with that person, go buy the food, and then go to work, and then come back. And in the Old Testament law, it said if they something happened and they couldn't pay the price at the end of the day, you're supposed to give the garment back anyway. So they would have something to sleep with. This garment was an important thing. In fact, this blind man as a beggar, it was the only thing he had. But when he came to Jesus... It says, he cast it away. Now, that idea of casting away is our modern equivalent of throwing it away. So, why would he throw it away if that was all that he had, if that was the best that he had? Let me tell you something. He had faith that he was not going to be a beggar anymore. Because he was going to receive his sight. Because the only person in the universe that could give him his sight was right there and calling for him. Amen? He said, if I'm following Jesus, I won't need the garments of the beggar anymore. And he left that which he had to obtain that which... There was no way outside a miracle of God that he could obtain. And it's that picture that I want us to start with this morning. I want us to just put that story in our mind if we can. And watch the beggar rising up out of the dust and throwing his garment away. And being guided to Jesus by the crowd, maybe not so kindly. And he finally comes before Jesus and Jesus asks him a question that everybody knew the answer to. I mean, what would a blind man want from Jesus? He could see. Uh, Jesus is God. Do you think he did not know the answer to the question before he asked? I mean, come on now. Let's. Why did he then ask the question? Jesus wasn't one to waste time, my friend. He wasn't one to just be tedious. But I will tell you this. Jesus was always looking for an opportunity to put faith on display. You see, faith is not something that we hide. It's something that needs to be shown to the world in which we live. And Jesus wanted this group to know that the reason this man was screaming like a maniac was not some selfish thing. It was the fact that he had faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Son of God, who could heal him. And he put that faith on display. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus. As I was doing my regular Bible reading, I was in 
John chapter 13, and we'll go there for a few moments, in a few moments, but not right yet. And I want us to take a little different track right now. But in John chapter 13, if you'll remember the story, it was the night in which Jesus was betrayed. And he was having the Last Supper with his disciples. And, and John put it this way, the only time in our Bible we actually find this phrase, it says, Jesus laid aside his garments. And I got thinking about that. You know, Bartimaeus cast away his garment that he could follow Jesus. And you know, Jesus has always set a precedent, an example for us. And I hope you don't mind me doing this, but I, I, you're going to have to really think or you're going to get lost. Because I, I want you just to follow along with my thought process this morning. And, and I believe and I hope when we get to the end, we'll, we'll see something there that will encourage each of us. But there were some times when Jesus laid aside his garments. The first one is Luke chapter 2. Most of you can quote this verse. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Do you know what Jesus did that night? He laid aside the garments as the glorified Son of God and God the Son and was born into the human race as much a human being as any one of us here present yet at the same time the eternal creator God I tell you there are some religions that mock that and and I remember receiving a challenge several years ago from some traveling imam that he would challenge people to debate the difference between the Bible and the Quran. Now, I just turned that down out of hand, not because uh, I was afraid to debate the man, but debate is one of the great sins in the Bible. We're, we do not debate the truth. The truth is not debatable, my friend. You must either accept it or reject it. Later on, I found out that he mocked and said, Mary changed God's diaper. Yeah. You know why? Because he loved you and I so much that he was willing to lay aside the robes of royalty and become a human being. Lower than the angels that had served him from eternity past. So that he could redeem us. Because only as a man could the price of men's sins be paid for. God had a, had a plan. It said before the creation of the world before God said, let there be light and there was light. God in His 
So in his being understood that there would be man and that they would sin and that he would have to redeem us. And there came that day when the angels veiled their face. They said, what, what is happening here? And yet God sent the choirs of heaven to sing to the angels. I've had people over the years argue with me, they shouldn't celebrate Christmas. Well, God sent the angels. I'm not going to argue with you about that. But if the world will stop and acknowledge God for a few minutes, let us not be on the wrong side of that. Amen? As Jesus laid aside his garments as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to be wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger as a fulfillment of all of God's prophecies talking about the coming of our Redeemer. It's a wonderful story, isn't it? The best thing is it's not just a story. It's a story of true history. And those are the best. Now I want you to turn with me to John chapter 13. The second time that Jesus laid aside his garments. John chapter 13. And we'll just start reading in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And the supper being ended... The devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and begin to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. And Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not, on, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not, save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after that he washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done unto you? Ye call me Master and Lord. And ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Now, the second time, Jesus laid aside his garments to wash the disciples' feet. 
Jesus knew who he is. You can't say was because Jesus never was. He always is present. Jesus knew that he is the very God of gods. And yet he laid aside his disciples and took upon him the garments of the lowest of the servants and he washed the disciples' feet. And, and Peter, of course, always trying to do a little more than everybody else. He said, Lord, you're not washing my feet. Let me wash yours. And he said, no, you don't understand what's going on. If I don't wash your feet... You're not a part of me. Then Peter said, well, Lord, I want to be a part of you. Give me a bath. And the Lord said, you don't need a bath. If you needed one, I'd give it to you. But you don't. You need to understand something. Christian service is not like anything else in the world. If you have a job and you do your job well, what does usually happen? Your boss or the company will come and say, you have given us good service as an employee. Isn't that the way it's usually worded on the diplomas and formally and all of that? And many times they'll say, you have been such a good employee, you have served the company so well, we're going to give you a promotion. Uh, we're going to give you a raise. We're going to we're going to move you up. And of course, there's there's a reason why certain people do their jobs the way they do. They want the boss to notice, so they get that raise and they get that promotion. And of course, in the corporate world, this is a well-known principle: you are promoted to the level of incompetence. You ever wonder why you have such a dumb boss? Well, in the corporate world, if you do well where you are, you get promoted. And if you do well where you are, you get promoted. And if you don't do so well, that's where you're stuck until you get fired. You see, that's the way the world works. It's not the way God works. God said, if you want to be great in my service... You've got to stop thinking about you. Now, what did the disciples spend so much time arguing about while they were serving Jesus' three and a half years? Who's going to be greatest? Who's going to take over when Jesus leaves? I mean, could you imagine the silliness of that statement? And yet we have an entire religion built on the fact that Peter was supposed to take it over and... When Jesus left, how ridiculous could that be? Who could take over for Jesus? That's absurd. That's what Jesus was teaching the disciples right here. He said, if you want to be great, lay aside your position and who you are and be willing to do the lowest of the servants' jobs. You know, the greatest thing in the world that one human being can do for another 
is to simply help them with no strings attached. Isn't that true? That's what Jesus was setting the example for here. He said, I am your Lord. I am your master. You say right. He said, but I want you to understand that a position of leadership, a position of authority in my kingdom is a position of service and willingness to help other people. Now, there were some times when Jesus was fairly harsh in his statements to other people, were there not? There were some times where he was trying to wake them up and make them understand, but Jesus was always trying to be a servant and help. In fact, just a few hours from this event right here, he'd be taken to the cross. And that takes us to the third time that Jesus laid aside his garments. You see, he wouldn't need them once he was dead. And in Matthew twenty-seven thirty-five, I just want to read the verse. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Jesus laid aside his garments that he could die in our place. That he could pay the price for sin. He had set the example. He left heaven's glory to be a baby in the manger. He had laid aside his garments as their teacher, as their leader, as the one who gave them power to perform miracles, and he washed their feet. He was trying to help them understand what was going to happen the next day when he was going to be suspended between heaven and earth and nailed to a cross, and he was going to die in our place. He did that so that you and I wouldn't have to. Hope you never get tired of hearing this. Quoting the old preacher, and I wish I knew which one it was, but he said, Jesus, as the infinite God, accomplished in a few hours on the cross, what would take every soul that ever lived in eternity to accomplish in hell. I can't put it any better than that. Jesus paid the price for our sins. He took the wrath of God. No, Jesus didn't go to hell. No, Jesus didn't become a sinner. Jesus was the sacrifice for our sins. Read Isaiah 53. It says, it pleased Him. It pleased the Father to bruise Him. It pleased the Father to put Him to shame. Why? Because you and I couldn't do it. But Jesus did. Now I want us to go back to Mark chapter 10. I want us to go back to our story of the blind Bartimaeus. A man that didn't even have a name.
One might say it was easy for him to cast aside his garment because he was a beggar. He had nothing. But I'll I'll tell you, I couldn't begin to count the number of people I've talked to over the years who have basically said, well, I, I would surrender to Jesus, but You know, I, I would, I, I do what you're telling me. I'm just not ready yet. I, I'm, I'm holding on to something now. They never said that, but they did. Not with the words, but with their behavior, with their action, with their decisions. And, and I wish this morning that I could take time to. Uh, complete that list of things that people are holding on to as they try to come to Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you that if you're actually going to come to Jesus Christ, you've got to do what blind Bartimaeus did. And that's get rid of everything. Now, when he cast away his garment, guess what he did? Exactly that. That was the only thing of value that the man possessed. If he were the traditional beggar. If we understand anything about history of that time, that was it. As far as we know, Timaeus had probably died many years ago, and here he is still known as the son of Timaeus. No support, no help, till he met Jesus. Amen. But when he did, he cast his garment away and he followed Jesus in the way. You know, I want you to think about some things this morning. We, we live in a society that is governed by falsehoods and deception. And the first lie that I would like to attack this morning, the first thing I would like us really to get a hold of, why, why do we hold on to things? Well, they bring me a, a sense of security. How many of you had a security blanket when you were a little baby? Just a little piece of cloth you carried around. Well, I'll tell you what, Jason is attached to his. It used to be a full-size blanket, and now it's about this size right here, and we keep joking. There's an old Jewish tale of a man that had a coat and then it became a vest and then it became a tie and finally it became a button and then he lost the button so he wrote a book about it and and, uh, and uh, we keep joking about Jason's little blankie becoming a button eventually and, and maybe he can write a book about it when he gets big but uh, why do we hold on to things well it just makes us feel better And 
And, and this is supposedly a fact. I praise God. I've never had to try to test it out. But uh, if you were found yourself on the side of a cliff hanging on to one of those little shrubs like they always do in the movie, and then they drop the rope down and the guy reaches out and grabs a hold of the rope and goes to safety, that only happens in the movies. In real life, the only way you'll let go of that branch that you're holding on to is when you hit the bottom and you die and you can no longer hold on to anything. That's what really happens. And we, we live in a world where people are holding on to things for dear life. Could I name just a few? How about religion? How many people are holding on to religion and saying, well, this is what my, my grandfather believed and this is what my great-grandfather believed and, and, and before him, if I let go of this thing, I'm saying that they're all wrong. I'll tell you what. It may have been a little easier for Bartimaeus to cast away his garment because that's all he had. But unless you're willing to let that one go, you'll find out that you have nothing. Because religion has never saved a soul. Only Jesus can save. You say, but Baptist church is a religion. Uh, don't you? Yeah, I, I'm. I believe that everybody ought to go to an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church. I make no apologies for that. I don't believe in equality of all religions because they're not. I don't believe that you can adapt the truth that is in this book to fit your belief. I believe this is the truth. And the reason I'm an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist is because... They believed the truth long before I came along. I don't believe I have the right to start a church if Jesus already started His. Amen? Maybe I'm in the wrong place this morning. That was awful quiet. But that's not popular. But but don't you believe as, as long as... You, you do the best you can, God understands? No, I don't believe that. I do believe that God understands. That's why Jesus laid aside His garment and went to the cross. So you wouldn't have to try to pay for your sins. You know, there are people holding on to family. You don't want my family to do to me. I'll tell you what, there are some people out there who have literally lost their lives to name Jesus as their Savior. But I would dare say that's not your family. I mean, it has happened, but it doesn't happen very often. At least here in the United States. But 
If you're not willing to let go of what you have, it's going to keep you from following Jesus. There are people that have held on to jobs. Their quote-unquote position in society. The saddest one to me But, Pastor, don't you understand? I just want a good life. And I just want to grab him by the shoulders and shake him. Don't you understand? You can't have a good life without Jesus. It's not possible. The very thing you're trying to get, you're rejecting. Because you're holding on to this fake, false, deceitful idea that somehow you're going to either straighten yourself out or everything's just going to get better and it's going to... You've got to give it up. In fact, you've got to cast it away. What did the Apostle Paul say? He said, I've lost all things. He said, I've lost everything that I could have Jesus And you read the rest of chapter 3. He said, I'm still striving to apprehend that for which I am already apprehended of. He says, I trust Jesus that He's got a hold of me. But I'm still working because I know I can be a better servant of His. What are you holding on to? What is your security? Let me tell you something. The only security that you can have in this world in which we live is God said so. That's the only thing that lasts. There is no other security. What are you holding on to? What is keeping you from simply following Jesus in the way? Bartimaeus, it was pretty simple. He cast away the garment... There was nothing holding him back. There was nobody attached to him. He wasn't attached to anybody. He said, I'll just follow Jesus. And where did he follow him? Into the city of Jerusalem. To watch him argue with the priest. To be crucified. But I'll tell you what. The Bible is not clear, and this is just purely conjecture, but I have a good idea that maybe old blind Bartimaeus, who wasn't blind anymore, was part of that 120 on the day of Pentecost. If not, he was certainly part of the first church in the city of Jerusalem. Do you think I'm stretching the Scripture too far to say that, make that statement? If he, if he followed Jesus, he was there. Amen? Security. What are you holding on to to be secure today? Could I challenge you? Cast that away. Grab a hold of Jesus. And if you have anything else in your hands, it won't work. When I traveled with Brother Clayton, as I just got out of Bible college, I can't believe that. 29 years ago, I got out of Bible school. And he would have us do some survey work. And the whole purpose of the survey was to ask people questions and to see if we could engage them in a uh, conversation about their need for salvation. And one of the questions was, 
that, that we would ask was, do you look to some cataclysmic event to end the world, or do you think mankind is going to solve his own problems? I mean, it's a great question to start a conversation with. And uh, nearly 30 years ago, when we asked that question, almost everybody was saying, yeah, some big bad thing is going to happen. Uh, we tried that a little over 20 years ago when we first started our church here to see if we could just talk some, didn't know anybody in Astoria. And, and almost without exception, yeah, we're going to solve our own problems. It, it's going to get better. I don't even ask the question anymore. It doesn't work. Because we live in a society that is so deceived by their own ability and their own greatness that they refuse to look to the Savior. We live in a world that is self-sufficient. How many of you remember what our mayor said September 11th? He was trying to encourage the people. He said, we can handle this. I'll tell you what, God put some things in our life that we were never meant to handle. That's why it says, casting your care upon him, for he careth for you. That's why Jesus said, to take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. Why? Because Jesus is carrying it, not you. I mean, when they yoke two animals together... This was especially true back in the 30s and the early 40s when we were still using mules to do most of the plowing in this country. They would raise those mules as a matched pair. They would train them together. They, they walked together. They ate together. They did everything. They were the same size. They were the same strength. Uh, they were made, and, and a pair of matched mules would pull what three or four unmatched animals would be able to do. Because they could put their strength together. But I, I remember Brother Clayton telling the story of a man bringing a, a pair of matched mules to his father to put shoes on them. And some weird accident happened as they were getting them out of the uh, the trailer or uh, so that he could shoe them. And one of the mules broke its neck and died. The farmer lost the whole team. He couldn't do anything with that one mule except turn him out to pasture because he wouldn't pull without the other one. It was totally worthless. Jesus isn't looking for someone to pull with him. He's not looking for an equal yoke. He's already done it all. You know the reason he wants you to get in the yoke? Is so you'll know where to go. Is Because they literally would bind those animals. That's what a yoke does. It binds those animals together. And Jesus said, get bound to me, and I'll do the pulling, and you do the walking. You ever wonder why we fail so much in our service to God, and yet He keeps wanting us to serve Him? It's because it's not about you, it's not about me, 
It's all about him. You see, Bartimaeus cast away that garment. And what I'm asking you to do is to cast away your security and what you think is going to help you so that you can have true security in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you turn loose of your foolish ideas that somehow things are just going to get better? Uh, I've read the book of Revelation. Things are going to get better, but it's going to get a whole lot worse before it gets better. Uh, There's some really bad things that are going to happen there. Uh, I don't want a false sense of security. You know what we call that? How many have ever read the serenity prayer? That is such a foolish thing. I don't even know at all. It just makes me angry to think about it. God doesn't want you feeling good about bad things. He wants you feeling good that He went to the cross to pay for those bad things. Amen? He wants you putting your faith and trust in Him for what He did, not in hoping that someday you'll be able to do something. You see, Jesus put it this way, and we don't have time, a whole other sermon if we wanted to try to get into it today. But He said, if you're not going to hate your own life also, He says, you can't follow Me. If you're not going to take up your cross daily, you know what a cross was? It was a method of execution. When, when Jesus was talking, He wasn't talking figuratively. He was talking re, uh, in reality. You see, He doesn't want my plans. The purpose-driven life has no place in the service of Jesus Christ. Because He's not here to give you your purpose. He is here to write His purpose over you. He is here to tell you what to do and how to do it and how to live your life. It's all right there in the Bible. If you will allow it, the Bible will make all of your major life decisions for you. And your major life decisions will make all the minor ones. And and so there's really not much left for you to worry about. If you will join blind Bartimaeus, cast aside your garment, just follow him in the way. That's all there is to it. You see, Jesus had already set the example. He had cast away his garments and went to Bethlehem's manger. He had laid his, aside his garments and washed the disciples' feet. They thought they were taking his garments away from him at the crucifixion, but that was something that Jesus again willingly did so he could pay the price for our sins. He gave all that up 
Why are you still holding on to? Fill in the blank. Why, why won't you? May I plead with you this morning. Why, why won't you trust Jesus as your Savior? And let somebody else know that you've done it. Why, why won't you, if you've gotten saved, follow the Lord in believer's baptism and become a member and, and let people know that you're serious about serving God with your life? We won't allow you to become a member of the church unless you're willing to just do what the Bible says. And we don't run down the aisles and say, Hey, you, you've been coming here so long. Why won't you get... I, I don't believe that because that's not the way Bartimaeus got rid of his garments. He willingly cast them aside. I, I pray and my hope is that you're here today because you willingly chose to be here. I'm not going to call you up if you're a member of the church and you miss on Sunday and say, where were you? I know some preachers that do that. But I, I really believe that if God is working in your heart and you're following Him, you'll want to be here all on your own. And that's what we want. I'm willing to help you in any way that I can. But there is so little I can do to help while you're holding on to fill in the blank. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that you would allow us in our mind's eye to see the blind beggar sitting along the roadside, the poverty, the despair, the hopelessness, till he found Jesus was walking by. And Lord, how this blind beggar knew and understood all the things that some people strive for a whole lifetime and never get. We'll just leave to your grace and to your goodness. But Lord, we ask that you would allow each one of us in this room this morning to see our need to cast away everything that we have that we could follow Christ. Lord, that we wouldn't hold on to Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to fill that blank in in the heart of each one here today. Lord, we ask you to work. That we could see real decisions made here today. Lord, I can't help but believing with all these people that are here today that there wouldn't be one that needs to surrender to You in salvation. Lord, that there wouldn't be several that need to surrender to You about the issue of baptism and membership. Lord, that there wouldn't be uh, nearly every one of us in here that's holding on to something that's hindering our service for You. Lord, that we would take this time of invitation and cast it away, that we may follow You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.